Um, you're going to continue for a bit yes. in the back, and then we'll have questions yes. later on. Uh, Carlo, would you like to add this about the Confederacy? Yeah, I'm not for sure, but the Confederacy of the State of the South has got uh, some bond emission with collateral in cotton because uh, there was some agreement with uh, France and England for the selling of American cotton to the European market. I found out something interesting on the internet and I'm going to print it out so everybody of us can read it, maybe so tomorrow will be or in this afternoon more discussion about it. But the problem is that uh, there was disruption in the, produ in the production of the cotton and also the fact that uh, more competitors uh, <coughs> came from Mexico and other places, so the price started moving up and down, raising gold in exchange for cotton was more difficult, and at the end the Confederacy went into hyperinflation emitting paper money. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't mm -hmm. know about I have to, to learn more and then we can discuss about it. Okay. Um, any any further any further questions, Rudy? So I think what Carol said was they had income through the means of cotton, but not a direct gold income. Is that is that the gist of it? Yeah. And then the price crashed. Yeah. Mm. That's the problem with quickly declining marginal utility. <laughs> I won't be sure before. Um, statement. Okay. <laughs> Uh, any any questions or comments? All right, well, let me continue then, and perhaps at the end we'll have another chance to ask questions. So uh, I carried the story up to the point that there was a coinage act in the United States, uh, 1873, very important date in the history of money, and especially the history of bimetallism. A very curious thing happened. The Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, mentions and even defines the dollar, the silver dollar which at that time was known as pieces of eight. They were coins minted in uh, Spain and Spanish possessions in America, in Central and South America. These coins are described in the Constitution and there is just no question about it that the dollar, that everybody knew what the dollar was. And uh, so you might say this is the constitutional dollar, the uh, monetary unit, the only monetary unit which defined, which is defined in the constitution. Now, the mint, according to the Constitution, should also be open to gold, but no gold coin was specified by the Constitution. 
And bimetallism, which means fixed uh, bimetallic ratio, was not in the Constitution, which shows the wisdom of the Founding Fathers. The, they thought that the ratio between gold and silver should be fixed by the people, or not fixed, but determined. And if the ratio changes, so be it. And it was another coinage act, an earlier one, 1792, which introduced the fixed bimetallic ratio, legal bimetallic ratio. The idea is that the U.S. Treasury should uh, make the two metals exchangeable, so you could take silver to the treasury or the mint and get gold for it and vice versa at that fixed ratio which was a very bad mistake because as the uh, market ratio between the gold price and the silver price changed, varied uh, the uh, movement of gold and silver started um, at the expense of the treasury speculators could drive out one metal from circulation and bring in the other and, and vice versa and the effect was that <laughs> The two metals, the two monetary metals, were flowing back and forth between the mint and the refinery. When the uh, market ratio of gold and silver uh, rose, which meant that gold price increased relative to the silver price, then then um, uh, gold was undervalued at the mint. Is that correct? Yeah. So because gold was undervalued on, uh, on this scenario, then uh, gold was undervalued at the mint that meant that the other metal was overvalued and because it was overvalued it stopped flowing to the mint and in fact uh, speculators found it profitable to melt them down and export it. So that's when silver flowed to the refinery. And when it turned around and silver flowed back and gold went to the refinery. So this is a flip-flop system, not a stable system. It was once 
a gold standard and once a silver standard, but never uh, for any length of time a, a true bimetallic system because of this flip-flop. Okay, and, and the, uh, the speculators took advantage of uh, fixed bimetallic ratio, which uh, was at the expense of the treasury, which wasn't the intention. So this was a mistake, not by, made by the Constitution, but by the Coinage Act of 1792. All right. Now then, we are already at 1873, so let's see what happened uh, to the system after this very uh, uh, dubious, uh, I might even say trick, of dropping the constitutional silver dollar, the, stand, the only standard silver coin from the list of authorized coins. Well, I already suggested that this in effect meant the demonetization of silver without using the word. You know, I mean, it would have been honest, more honest if the title of the act is demonetization of silver or closing the mint to silver, because you would immediately see what was going on. But as I say, it was buried in the act by simply omitting <coughs> a coin from the list of authorized coins. Uh, it's, it's really underhanded if you think of it. Now, there are these two stories that in Europe, Germany, victor in the Franco-Prussian War, uh, demonetizing silver openly, openly, um, announcing to the world not only that uh, the mint is close to silver, but also that the melted down silver coins will be sold on, on the silver market. So that information was available to the public. On the other side of the ocean, in the United States, there was also a demonetization of silver, but underhanded. Not publicly discussed. Uh, you almost had to be an expert to realize that that's what it amounts to. And uh, that was two years later, and these were both countries which came out of a war victoriously and so on, and uh, they both uh, demonetized silver, closed the mint to silver. So, uh, the general explanation given to the world was that these two 
uh, wounds, as it were, uh, suffered by silver was enough to put this tremendous pressure on the silver price, which from a low of 15 took the bimetallic ratio, the market ratio, to 100 in, in say, 60 years' time. It's a tremendous loss of value because you have to think it's about silver lost about uh, four-fifths of its uh, market value but it was not just simply loss of value but it was a loss of uh, liquidity silver was a monetary metal and this meant that it has an unlimited market and at the official price you can sell as much silver as you want without affecting the price and uh, there were only two monetary metals gold and silver and uh, that means that this we are dealing with a, a very special uh, property of the monetary metals. This is unlimited market. Other producers had to be very careful with marketing because if they sold too much, the price immediately showed uh, a weakness. Whereas if you sold silver, you don't, don't have to worry at all about uh, consequences such as weakness in the silver price. That was the case before. Now, after the, such a softness in the price of silver that, uh, that uh, people in the industry, uh, the silver mining industry, uh, were actually very much concerned, very much concerned uh, about this possible weakness because if the silver price keeps falling, then it means that the market, the capacity of the market to absorb the output of the silver mines was uh, going to be eroded very uh, uh, damaging outlook for the silver miner and here's something which is not generally realized what happened was as a consequence of this the silver miners got scared and they resorted to uh, a competitive uh, mining. There's a word where you 
abuse exhaustive, your exhaustive, exhaustive mining. Uh, exhaustion. Race to the bottom. Hmm? Race to the bottom. Yeah, race to the bottom. But uh, when you you over-exploit your resources. High breeding. Hmm? High breeding. Taking the higher grades first. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What <laughs> is the one word you use? High grade. High grade. Your higher grade. So, uh, normally, a silver miner and also a gold miner uh, mines the lower grades first because it's not the immediate profit which they want to maximize, but they want to maximize the working life of the mine. And how do they do this? They do it by getting after the lowest grade first, lowest payable, I should say, okay, the marginal grade of ore. And and mine it first and sell it first. And the top grades you reserve to the very end so that the, that's the most economical way of using your resource. Um, starting with the marginal grade and then working up towards the top grade. But now, if you have a soft market, if you have a <coughs> falling price, then all the silver miners will switch to the top grade, the highest grade of ore, and then getting down and down. And in fact, it's a competitive situation because if you are a silver miner and I am a silver miner, we watch each other because we want to sell first. Because if you sell second, then you get a lower price for your product. So you see, this is a situation which is self-destructing. You are destruct as a silver miner, you are destructing your own uh, resources much faster than a reasonable, uh, stable situation would uh, allow. And, and as a result, the silver mines will be exhausted prematurely and you are facing a situation that uh, you destroy your own uh, resources. Now, and that's what I say that is not commonly observed, that this is the reason for the fact. It's a, it's a fact that today most of the silver production of the world comes from secondary, as a secondary uh, product, as a byproduct of other mining interests such as copper and, and nickel and 
whatever else, and even gold, you know. But primary silver mine, where the main output is silver, uh, for a long time just disappeared because of this competitive uh, mining killed the goose which uh, was laying the golden egg. Uh, I use this phrase to describe the situation that the silver mines in competing with one another trying to put all this extra always use the highest grade of ore to mine. They killed, killed their industry. All the silver mines, all the silver output which remained came from, as a byproduct, from copper mines and other mines. As a primary producer of silver, the industry was destroyed, which is normally, which is a very unfortunate situation. And that's the explanation. It's a fact that uh, to, now today is a little different uh, because we have now a silver price which has uh, re recovered some, according to experts. It's still just the very beginning. Silver has a much greater potential. But the, the point is that now we have a few, uh, could you name a few silver mines which, uh, which are primary? Yes, um, there's Kurdalen uh, in, in, uh, in the Idaho. In the United States. Um, there is, um, there is, there's a company called Fortuna Silver Mines in Mexico. Uh, you have Agnico Eagle mines yeah. all across Canada. But you see, the point is that very soon the list ends. Because <laughs> yeah. oh, very few, very few. Now there was this uh, fantastic uh, silver discovery in the United States in about 1858, mm. the Comstock Lode mm. in, in Nevada. Mm. Mm. And uh, even that was pretty well uh, exhausted prematurely. So there it is. Uh, this was just another result. In what I'm trying to say here is that the, uh, this is, was an unprecedented situation. And it is, it is so uh, unique and so conspicuous that these uh, standard explanations just don't, uh, they are not convincing. And when I studied this question, of the uh, German demonetization of silver and the American demonetization of silver, 
I came to the conclusion that the whole story is not yet known. We, uh, and the big unknown question is whether it was a spontaneous, whether it was uh, a, the mistake they made, because it was a mistake in 1873 that they dropped the standard silver dollar from the list of authorized coins. And <coughs> was this done on purpose? Or was it a mistake? I am not convinced that it was it was uh, a mistake. The explanation is that they took the list of silver coins from an earlier coinage act of 1853 and a clerk in the treasury, a subaltern clerk in the treasury, copied the list from the old coinage act to the new and by mistake he forgot to copy the standard silver dollar. You know, well, that's a very, uh, very poor explanation. I mean, that armies of lawyers at the disposal of the House and the disposal of the Senate and ultimately the President has to sign the legislation and he has an army of lawyers and they all have to go through the proposed bill word by word, sentence by sentence and <coughs> If they ask you to believe that by mistake they didn't notice that uh, uh, omission, that's too much to ask to believe. I, I, well, I guess it's 12 o'clock, so we adjourn. And I think uh, we'll continue this after the break because the story goes on and on and it's, uh, I find it interesting kind of detective work what, what was done and why thanks very much professor